Welcome to the Moonlight of Amuna, Parshas Taldois. This week's learning should be and so we, we, we're introduced at the beginning of the Parsha. We, we're told about uh, Yitzchak and Rivka having difficulty having, having children. And in Pasuk the third Pasuk of the Parsha, it says, Vayeta Yitzchak Hashem, and Yitzchak Davin to Hashem, entreated Hashem, Lenoichach Ishtai, opposite his wife, Ki Akarhi, because she was an Akar, she was barren, Vayasar Loi, and he was an- answered, Vatar Rivka Ishtai, and, and Rivka, his wife, became pregnant. And Rashi tells us, Rashi tells us on Lenoichach Ishtoi that Yitzchak davened opposite his wife. What does that mean? So Rashi says, One of them stood in one corner and davened, and the other one well, was in the other corner, Rivka was in the opposite corner, right? That's what the Torah is telling us by Lenoichach Ishtoi. That it was that, that what happened was Yitzchak and Rivka were, let's say, in the same room and one was davening in one corner, one was davening in the other corner. And the question is, uh, they had no place else to daven, and like, why is it so relevant, right? Why, why, why do we need to know that that he davened, that they were davening there opposite each other? What, why is that? Why is that important? And that they had no other space, like they couldn't daven in different rooms, they couldn't daven someplace else. So. The Rebbe, Rebbe, uh, the Amshinov Rebbe, the first Amshinov Rebbe, Rebbe Yaakov David of Amshinov, explains. He says the the following idea. He says that, you know, we know. And this is a, the more famous Rashi on this pasuk. But the very next Rashi tells us by Yetarloi that Yitzchak was answered. Loi v'loi la. He was answered, not her. She'ain doy mitfilat tzaddik ben Russia. Mitfilat tzaddik ben tzaddik. That Yitzchak was a tza, was a tzaddik, and he was the son of a tzaddik. Avram was a tzaddik, but Rivka was a tzaddikis, the the daughter of a Russia. So it was Russia. Lefikach loi v'loi la. Therefore, he was answered, and not and not her. So says says the Amshnav Rebbe. That even though this second Rashi is telling us that ultimately Yitzchak was the one who was answered, but the 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 ishtoi that the fact that Yitzchak and Rivka davened opposite each other, right? What 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 is really being explained by the following Rashi? In other words, it's explaining to us what was the attitude that Yitzchak and Rivka had when they went to daven. When Rivka goes to Davin, Rivka's at Sadekis, she's she's sitting there Davin to Hashem, please answer me, please answer our tefillas in the schus of my my righteous husband Yitzchak, that he has great schusim because he's a tzaddik ben tzaddik. And and when Yitzchak went to Davin, he said he he said, Please Hashem answer us in the in, in the merit of Rivka, of my Tzadekis wife, that uh, that she's really the greater one because I, it's not such a chiddush. It's not so. It wasn't so hard for me to become a tzaddik. I was raised by Avram Avinu, but she's such a tzaddikus that she grew up in the house of Besuel, of a Russia like Besuel, and yet she's a tzaddikus. Listen to her. Each one saw the merit in the other one, not in themselves. Rivka's looking and saying, "What a tremendous tzaddik I'm married to, who comes from such a such a righteous uh, family." Hashem, please answer in his merit. I may not deserve it, but he for sure deserves it. And Yitzchak has, has the exact opposite thought. He's sitting there saying, "I, I of course, I, I grew up okay. I grew up with Avram and Sarah, my parents. Of course, it wasn't so hard for me. But look at look at my tzaddikus of a wife who grew up in such a difficult home, and she and she and she still became a tzaddikus. Each one was saying that the other one deserves to be answered." 
Says the Amshel of Rabbi, that's what that's what that's what the Torah is telling us when it says Lenoichach Ishta. They were davening opposite each other, meaning it's not a physical location that she was in one corner, he was in one corner. Meaning they had the opposite intentions. She's there saying, "Please answer my tefillahs in honor and and my husband's tefillahs because in the merit of my husband." And he's saying, "Please, please answer in the merit of my wife." Each one saw themselves as inconsequential next next to the other one. Each one saw the beauty and the and the tzitkus in the other one, even though that we know we. No, they were both tzaddikim. They were both. Rashi tells us they were both tzaddikim. Sadik ben Sadik, Sadik ben Russia. But they were both tzaddikim. But each one didn't see themselves as having any merit. But they saw their spouse. They saw the other one as having all the merit to, to, to be answered. Right. So that's that's a lesson for us that we when we deal interact with other people, with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, with our with that, with our family members, to always look for the good in each one. Right. Each each one was looking for what why the other one deserves. I, not in myself. Myself, I know I have my issues. I know I have things to deal with, but when I look at somebody else, instead of looking, Yitzchok didn't say, "Oh, Rivka, you know she doesn't come from a great family, so answer me." And Rivka didn't say, "You know how much work I had to do to get here, answer me." No, each one was only looking for what was good in the other person. They didn't, they weren't looking at the good that was in themselves, only what was in the other person. And we now that we know we're in a time of achdus and we're trying to bring as much achdus in the world, we look at Jews who may be different than us. We need to take a moment and 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 contemplate how they got to where they are and maybe in, and in so many ways they're better than us right you look at somebody who didn't have the benefit of your upbringing and yet they're, they're, they're spiritual and they're trying to keep Torah mitzvah so they're trying to do good things for other Jews we have to recognize that and recognize that they didn't necessarily have my upbringing where chesed was, was, was part of daily life and yet they've come to this and they've worked so hard on this that's Yitzchak's attitude toward Rivka and others you know you see people who are maybe more sheltered in their Yiddishkeit but we have to recognize that they also have certain Certain, certain, certain benefits, certain sidkas, and if each, if if all Jews would look at each other with what what's good about the other person and how amazing the other person is based on where they come from and what they do, imagine the achdus and and the tremendous change in the attitudes well, many people have towards other people, and that's that's part of real achdus is trying to look for the good things in others. A little later on in the parsha, we have another idea that I just think is also so important. It says when when Rivka is sending Yaakov in to steal the brachas from from Yitzchak, from stealing them from Esav, but getting the brachas from from Esav, it says Vatikach Rivka as big day Esav benahagadol. She took the clothing of Esav, her older son, Hachamudais. Uh, she took the that were clean Asher Ita Babais that were with her in the house Vatal Vatal as Yaakov Benohakotan and she clothed Yaakov her younger son and the question is. The question is, why is she referring? Why are we referring? Why is the pasuk referring to Esav as Benah Gadol and Yaakov Benah Katan? What is this? We know who Esav. We know that Esav was born first. It's earlier in the parsha. We know that Esav was born first, and Yaakov was born later. Why is what, what's the what's the significance of calling Esav the Gadol and Yaakov the Katan? And in general, we see that in certain times, uh, in certain places in the Torah, certain people are referred to as Hakatan, Yaakov Hakatan, Shmuel Hakatan, David Hakatan. What is this Katan? Normally, the way in in our American uh, way of looking at things, katan is not, you know, be small, is not usually a, an accolade. And yet we see that the Torah uses an accolade. And here, Rivka is referring to her older son, her son who's the gadol, and her son who's the katan. 
So Rabbi Lazar of Kajnitz, the grandson of the Kajnitzer Magid, he explains, he explains that, you know, we have a very childish uh, view of Esav. We tend to think of Esav as this, like, uh, person who never thought about anything and just gave in to everything that he wanted to do, and he was just completely evil from day one. But it's really hard to assess Esav that way. Certainly, as he went through his life, he became more evil, but it's hard to understand how Esav ended up the way he did. He was bo- brought up in the home of, 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 of Yitzchak and Rivka, you know, different than Yishmal. Yishmal, at least, his mother was not Sari Menu. His mother was somebody else, and maybe that had an influence on him. But Esav had the exact same DNA, the exact same upbringing as Yaakov. He grew up in the house of Rivka and, and Yitzchak. His grandfather Avram was in his life until he was uh, until he was 15 years old. It's how did Esav become this way? Esav certainly, as the child of Rivka and Yitzchak, and as the grandchild of, of, of Avram Avinu, had a very high neshama. So how did he become this way? Way. So so explains explains the. Uh, uh, the Rebbe Lazar of Kajnitz, he explains as follows. He says that really we make a mistake because there's no reason to believe otherwise. But Esav was a very intelligent person. He was a he he was he had he had the brain of of the child of Yitzchak and Rivka and the grandson of, of Avram and Sarah, right? And he he was he was a deep thinker. He was a really deep thinker. So how did he become? How did he become who he became? How did he seem to not follow through on that? Is that because what happened? What would happen to Esav was he would have the opportunity to do some mitzvah, and he would think. You know, he would understand all of the all of the primius, all of the kabbalistic meanings behind the mitzvah. He would understand how a mitzvah is supposed to be done, and y- you have to prepare for a mitzvah and how elevated it is what happens in Shemayim when you do a certain mitzvah, right? And because of this, because of this, he would he would think about it. He would become overwhelmed by it. He would say, you know what? I'm never going to be able to do. I'm never going to be able to do the mitzvah the proper way, right? So let's say he he gives the example of tefillin. So before he would put on tefillin, he would think he how 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 holy tefillin are! How holy tefillin are! How 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 chashev and kodesh they are! And how a person is only supposed to do with he has his body is completely clean! And how the entire time you're wearing tefillin, you're not supposed to be distracted one minute from from the tefillin for one second from the tefillin. And then. Asa would come to the conclusion that I, I'm not going to be able to do it properly, so I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't do it. If I can't do it properly, it's better off not to do, not to try to do the mitzvah of tefillin at all. And he would do this for every mitzvah. He would think about how elevated it is. He would think about how he, there's so many pratim, so many details in it that he can't, that he can't, he's never going to do it right. And therefore he would say, I'm better off not doing it uh, at all. And we see this, we see that this was his attitude from his sale of the Bechayra, of the firstborn rights to Yaakov Avinu, right? Because Chazal tell us that when Yaakov wanted to buy the Bechayra, Esav asked him, what, what is this? What's the, what's the nature of this Bechayra that you speak of? And Yaakov said that, uh, you know, the, the Bechayra is going to do the other in the base of Mikdash, right? We know before the before the mice of the Egel, before the sin of the golden calf, the uh, firstborns were supposed to do the Avod in the base of Mikdash. After that, they lost that right and it went to the Kahanim. So Yaakov says to him, oh, one of the halachas of being a Bechar is you can't you can't get drunk because you can't get drunk and, and do the Avoida. And uh, he told him other things. The, the Bechar is not just a, it's not just privileges, it's also, it also comes with obligations, right? And uh, there's all kinds of things. A Kayan has all kinds of rules. He can't be, become Tameh, he can't uh, he can't let his hair grow. All kinds of things that a kayan has to do. So, so Esav says, you know what? I'm never going to be able to live up to that. So therefore, I don't want it. And that's why he pushes it away. And he says, Lama, Lama What do I need it for? And that's why, says says uh, says the uh, Rebbe Lazar of, of of Kajnitz. He says that Rivka. 
identifies Esav as Benaha Godel, her child who has big, big hasagas, big thoughts. He only thinks of things in, in big ways. If I can't do the mitzvah completely at the level it deserves, I'm better off not doing it at all. He's a Godel. He thinks big. He only wants to do per, he, he's a perfectionist. He has, he has big, big, uh, big shifas. He only, he only wants to do things perfectly. He's a perfectionist. Now, we, we know that the, uh, the, that the, the enemy of good is perfect, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. If a person is a perfectionist, he's always going to be disappointed. But we, Yaakov's children, the Bnei Yisrael, we have to know that a Kaddish Baruch Hu does not demand more than we're capable from us. And of course, mitzvahs have elevated. And of course, there's ideal ways to do mitzvahs. And of course, we're supposed to strive to do them as perfectly as possible. But we have to know that Hashem wants us to serve Him according to our abilities, according to our, according to our minds, he, with with the tools that he gave us, and he understands, and he understands that not every mitzvah is going to be done perfectly. I just have to be very careful. We have to just be very careful that this is not an excuse for anything. Of course, if a person can do it better, he has to do it better. But Hashem says that when a mitzvah comes to our hands, we have to make ourselves small, and we say, we have to say we have to take this attitude that even if I can't do it a hundred percent properly, it's hard for me. I can't have kavana the entire davening from start to start to end. But there, but even 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 if I can't, I can have kavana for part of it. So I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm going to have kavana for that part of davening that I can, and. I even the tefillin, the example we used before, I'm not going to be able to not be distracted from it for one second, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to not be distracted as much as I can. But we chas v'shalom never say I'm not going to do the mitzvah. We do it the best way we can. And we know that for sure Hashem is going to be happy with that. Hashem is going to see that we've made a sincere effort, and Hashem is going to be very proud of us, right? And, and, and you see this you see this even in, in, in modern parlance. A person, you know, today, let's say, for example, we have people are collecting money for all kinds of things. So somebody says, you know, I can only afford to sponsor one, one bulletproof vest for the IDF, or I can only sponsor a few, one pair of tzitzis. How is that going to make a difference? There's hundreds of thousands of soldiers that need these things. So, but but if, you, if, you, if everybody took that attitude, we wouldn't get anything then. But we see that everybody doing their little part. We see we're changing, we're changing the nature of, of, of chesed, the amount of chesed that's coming out. I, each person, only did a little bit because that's what we're supposed to do. We're spo- that's what Hashem wants of us. Each of you do your little part. Each of you do the best you can. So even though our our kavana and our abilities and our strengths and our and our and our skills are cut on, they're small. They're they're smaller than what the mitzvah deserves. But that's but that's why we're called katan. That's why the Torah considers katan. Rifka refers to Yaakov as the katan. He never was worried about the the big picture. He just in every situation I'm going to do the best I can. Is, is it going to be enough? Is it going to get me there all the way? That's not my responsibility. I know what Hashem wants of me now. I'm going to do the best I can with this situation. And I don't know, it's not up to me whether it's good enough or not. That's Hashem's department. And Hashem tells us it's more than good enough. That's all I want from you. I'm not expecting you to be perfect. I created human beings. I created you with flaws. You're not supposed to be perfect. But if you think of yourself as I'm going to do, even if my part is little, I'm proud that I could do my little part, then Hashem says, that's amazing. That's really what godless is. So Esau considered himself godol, and, and 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 if I can't do it perfect, I may as well not do it at all, ends up, doing nothing. The one who says I'm either doing it all or I'm doing nothing ends up doing nothing because you can't do it all. You can't do it all. 
Esau became a Russia because he held himself to too high of a standard. He didn't believe that Hashem cared about his little actions. And if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. Right? And she, so, so what, what does Rivka do? She takes, she takes the, what did the Pesach say? Vatikach Rivka is big day Esau b'noha gadol. She took these things of Esau. Esau had tremendous potential. The big day, the begadim of Esau, she took the, the mitzvahs that Esau should have enclosed himself in it. And she gave them to Yaakov, the one who was willing to do whatever he had to do. That because he because he made himself small, and he said, okay, this is the best I can do. This is what I'm going to do. So there, she put that clothing that Esau should have been able to take, and she put that on Yaakov. She put that on Yaakov, and that would be, and that would create a, a reach nichach, the, the good smell, that when he went into Yitzchak, it was a reach nichach in front of Hashem. Yaakov Avinu, by, by saying, I'm going to do what I can, even if it's small, I'm going to take on the mantle of Esav as well. Rivka clothes him in the mantle of Esav and, and, that, and Hashem says, you now get all the brachas because you recognize that I just want you to do your, your, your best effort. I'm not looking for. So we should all feel encouraged about this because I know everybody's feeling we're not doing enough. And of course, I'm not, this, is not a, this is not an excuse to not do more if you can. Of course, we should do as much as we can. But very often we get frustrated. We say, what, what can I do already? I'm doing a little bit that I'm trying to do to help soldiers, to daven, to this. But but I but I I wish I could do more. Okay, figure out if you can. But if you can't, know that that's what Hashem wants from you. That's what Hashem wants from us. So we should take these thoughts going into Shabbos and Mitzvah Hashem. We should see the end of all the difficulties in Eretz Yisrael. We should see the Geula Amitis Mehera I wish you all a great Shabbos.